When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West is a Christian constitutional conservative, a combat veteran, and former member of the U.S. Congress. Allen, thanks so much for joining us again on Takeaways. It's a pleasure to be back with you, Kurt. Thank you. Alan, you have served our country uh, in so many ways. You've served in the military, you've served in Congress, mm-hmm. and with, with all that you have, have invested into this country, can you give us a little insight into how much the ability to vote means to you? Well, it means everything. I mean, when you think about the fact that I've been to so many different nations and combat zones to make sure that they have the ability to do something that seemingly we take for granted. When you look at some of the elections that we have here in America, like school board, for instance, uh, they have less than a 10 percent turnout. So I remember and being in Iraq and seeing the pride of the Iraqis when they showed that little purple finger uh, because they got the opportunity, the chance to do something that they had never been able to do. We should take pride in that and we should be the gold standard of electoral process and the representative democracy for others to look to. And so as we approach this midterm election, what what is specifically on your mind? Well, I will tell you, I think that right now we are doing a disservice to this country. We don't understand our fundamentals. The fact that this country, unlike any other nation, was established on a premise that the creator God endows us with our inalienable rights of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And if you're a student of political philosophy, you know that that was taken from John Locke, 1683, the second treatise of government, where he talked about natural rights theory, that the rights of the individual naturally come from the creator God of life, liberty, and property. And for whatever reason, we uh, are becoming more distant and less understanding that we live in that constitutional democracy, I mean, constitutional republic, but we have a representative democracy as the means by which we have our voice. So I wish we could get back to civics. I wish we could get back to our history and understand what established this country. I wish more people would study the Constitution, something that I took an oath to support and defend back on 31 July 1982. And about five generations of my family have taken that oath, started with my dad in World War II. So I think it's so important that, you know, if we want to break down some of the back and forth banner and polarization, we have to get back to understand our constitutional rights and not ideological rights. Well, we we have a friend, Rick Green, uh, who works uh, with the Mm -hmm. Patriot Academy, and he's given me a whole stack of of, uh, what he calls pocket principles. And it's a personal pocket version of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've heard you say this before. We need to study the Constitution. And so I've made it a habit to sit down and to study the Declaration and the Constitution. And then I've begun to give those to my nieces and to my nephews. And I say, you know what? You need to study this to be a citizen of the United States. And you're gonna be smarter than 99% of the people in this country because most people have never even read it. Here's my pocket constitution. You can see it has a paper clip on it because it's kind of falling apart. It's all highlighted and everything. And I never leave home without it. This is my American Express credit card. And uh, I wish that more people would understand that because it is so critical if you're to be a citizen in this constitutional republic, you have to understand our rule of law. 
Well, I'm so glad you said that word citizen. I've, I've learned that that citizen means we are co-rulers. We are not subjects in a mm-hmm. kingdom. We don't have a monarchy. We are citizens, which makes us unique because it's we the people who are the kings. We are the sovereign yes, of this country, and that is totally unique, and we mm-hmm. can't lose that privilege. No, we can't. And I think you just hit on something that is so important, Kirk, in that the individual in the United States of America is sovereign. And the reason why we're sovereign is because we're connected to the Judeo-Christian faith heritage God and his sovereignty by way of our inalienable rights, our natural rights. And remember that Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence, he quoted John Locke when he talked about the laws of nature and nature's God. So we need to get back to those fundamentals, those sound things that make us unique and unlike any other nation that the world has ever known. Alan, you've been through the election process yourself. What, what was that like? Having served 22 years in the military was a little bit different, you know, getting out there and running for elected office. Because one of the things that the military teaches you is that leaders tell their troops what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And lots of times in the political arena, people are putting out polls and and surveys and things of this nature, trying to figure out what they need to say to people in order to get elected. And I think that if we had more elected officials to just told the truth to the people that they're seeking to serve, uh, because I could not tell my troops in combat that when we were going uh, to deploy to Iraq, Afghanistan, or Desert Shield, Desert Storm, that everything was going to be fine. We we're going to have nice hot food every day and night, hot showers, and uh, nice cold drinks. You had to tell them the truth. You had to train them hard. And I think that's one of the key things we got to get back to is not having politicians, but having statesmen and stateswomen. Once you made it into Congress, what what was some of the most challenging things that you had to deal with when you were in there actually doing the job? In the United States military, honor, integrity, and character mean everything uh, when you're operating in a unit. And so what was the toughest thing for me being in elected office in Washington, D.C.? I saw so many people surrender themselves all for what? I don't understand why. And if we could get back to having elected officials that understand the interests of our country instead of self-interest and special interests, we'll be back on the right track. But I imagine that when you're in there and you're trying to accomplish things as, uh, as a public servant, you're also having to work with other people who believe so differently than you. So mm-hmm. when you are dealing with something where you feel like this is a hill to die on, like this is what I believe, these are my strong convictions, I'm here to represent this. Uh, Do you try to change other people's mind or do you say, you know what, I'm not gonna do that, I'm just gonna find some other issue here that we can agree on and work together to advance that and build the relationship? Well, I think when I look at the example of being a Christian, uh, you know, my, my Lord and Jesus Christ said it was about building a strong foundation. He looked to Peter and he said, upon this rock I will build my church. People are looking for the rock. People are looking for those folks that will say that no matter what the storm is, I'm going to stand firm. But I'll give you a great example of an issue. It was when we uh, decided to give military weaponry and uh, to go and assist uh, Islamic jihadist forces in Libya against Muammar Gaddafi. And I joined hands with Dennis Kucinich, who was completely, you know, philosophically opposite of me. But we found common ground uh, because I looked at this from one perspective and he saw it from another perspective. And we were both right because it was a violation of the constitutional duty and authority of the president of the United States at the time, who was Barack Obama. So, yes, we can find those common areas. But when you start to surrender your principles and values, the more that you do it, the next thing you know, you wake up and you don't know who you are. 
Oh, that is so true. But we, we don't want to get so divided as a nation. We, we want to come together. We have to, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. can you help me identify what some of those hot button divisive issues are that voters are facing right now as we look into the midterms? Well, sure. And, and let me remind you about what it says in Romans 12 and 2, that we're not supposed to conform to the world, but we're supposed to transform the world through the mind of Christ Jesus and express God's will. So we have to stand on his perfect will, not try to be perfect because we're flawed, but we don't want to fall into the trap of the permissive will. And one of the key issues I think out there is the whole life issue. You know, in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, God says uh, before us, he said, here's your choice, life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants shall live. When you look at Psalm 127, I think verses three through five, David talks about the blessing of children and how the man that has children is like arrows in the quiver. So I cannot agree with murdering unborn babies in the womb by means of dismemberment. And if you want to talk about white supremacy and racism and all of these things, just remember that the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, was an avowed white supremacist, a racist, spoke at Klan rallies, and she referred to blacks as undesirables and human weeds. And as a matter of fact, Mm. about 70 to 75 percent of Planned Parenthood clinics are located in black communities. And so I think that this is a very strong issue that we need to say we stand for life. Uh, That's the very first inalienable right granted to us, endowed to us by our creator God. That means born and unborn. Alan, some people just get so tired of all of the mudslinging and all of the fighting that they experience fatigue as we move toward an election Mm -hmm. like this. It's so important. I mean, everybody's talking about it. How can you encourage people to stay in the fight and not just burn out and say, you know what, I'm going to throw my hands up and let other people take care of this. Because when you throw your hands up, you're surrendering. And Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. And when you look at people that are out there just demonizing, denigrating and demeaning people by name calling, that means that they don't have anything that they can stand upon. They are truly the house that was built on shifting sand. But if you can make the stand, as uh, Thomas Paine wrote in the 1776 uh, pamphlet, The Crisis, uh, these are the times which try men's souls when the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from their duties. But to those who will make a stand, they will deserve the love and admiration of all men and women. So I think that you have to look at your children, look at your grandchildren and say, I want to pass on something better for them that was left to me. Alan, all this is so good. Um, at times it can feel overwhelming for citizens who want to participate and help, but they feel like there's so many things that, that are being thrown at them. Uh, if there was one or two issues that you think people could fo- vote for, uh, what would those issues be? Well, I would tell you, if you're going to look at this from a biblical perspective, the life issue is very important because in Judges chapter two, we saw what happened when the children of Israel stopped worshiping God and fell down and worshiped the Baals. And one of the gods of the Baals was Moloch, the god of child sacrifice. But I think it's so important we look at this aspect of security, look at economic security, look at energy security, look at our border security. We're we're a sovereign nation. We're a constitutional republic. We have to protect our borders. And then also we have to look at our own local security. When you look at the crime and the violence that is rising on our streets, we should not be allowing violent criminals to be released. But I think the other thing that's also very important that more people need to talk about is education 
educational security, educational freedom for our children, because we got to get back to teaching our children, not indoctrinating our children. I will tell you, Kirk, right now in America, there's a war on our children. We're murdering them in the womb by dismemberment. We are, you know, this child gender modification, mutilation, uh, these hormonal therapies, puberty blockers. And when did we come about exposing our children to this uh, sexualization of taking them to drag queen shows and things of this nature? So I think those are some of the critical issues that run the spectrum of security and freedom and protecting our children. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Alan, tell me what you think. I remember in past elections, there have been issues that people have disagreed over, but it seems like the, the, the division seems to be stronger and more intense now than I remember in the past. Could there be people who are actually profiting from inflaming the division even more in this country? I mean, it seems like there are nefarious forces at work that go beyond just you and me having different opinions on how to fix, uh, you know, immigration or the economy. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, there was a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. There are people out there in the media that want to vomit that uh, division. They want to soar, uh, you know, uh, source and sow that discourse and discontent out there instead of looking for the places where we can come together. But right now, Kurt, there are two different philosophies of governance. And again, the United States of America was founded on a premise of individual rights, freedoms, liberties, and individual sovereignty. That's really classical liberalism, today's modern constitutional conservatism. And the individual is elevated over the institution of government. Uh, the government exists by the consent of those that are, that are being governed, not ruled by edict, order, decree, and mandate. But the contrasting philosophy puts the institution of government above the individual. And that ends up being this progressivism, socialism, Marxism, statism, communism. And so it's two very different philosophies of governance. And this country needs to make a choice. But sadly, we're not teaching our history. We're not teaching the civics. We're not teaching those fundamentals of a constitutional republic. And so therefore, you get to a point where all of a sudden, uh, back 21 years ago after 9-11, the first place that everyone wanted to go after that catastrophic event was to church. But then fast forward to March of 2020, when we go into this COVID issue, the very first thing that government wants to shut down is the church, not Walmart, not McDonald's, not the strip club, not the liquor store, not even the marijuana store, not even abortion clinics, but they want to shut down the church. So I think that is indicative of this incredible chasm that is developed in this country, which is philosophical in nature and spiritual also. How do we preserve the right to disagree without allowing that to devolve into division that destroys us? Mm -hmm. 
Well, one of the things that the founders, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, talked about is that a, a constitutional republic like the United States of America is so dependent upon an educated electorate. And what we have now are people out there that can tell you what Kim Kardashian did last week, but they cannot tell you that two weeks ago was the 235th anniversary of the signing of the Constitution of the United States of America. And so you're right. You have people out there that don't understand. I have the freedom of speech. I have freedom of expression. That is in the Constitution. That's part of our Bill of Rights. Uh, but what is happening is freedom of accepted speech. And that's what we're coming to. And you have not just government, but other private sector entities that are the real fascists out there that are trying to shut down any type of dissenting opinion, thought, perspective and insight. And how interesting we have an organization, a group that called Antifa, which stands for anti-fascist. But what they actually go out and do is beat up people that disagree with them. Well, that's the nature of fascism. So I think that we have an education issue here in the United States of America. And how do we, you know, coming back to what you were talking about, how do we, you know, cross that bridge? How do we build a bridge between the, this incredible chasm? We just got to stand on the truth. We got to stand on what is right, regardless of people yelling, screaming, calling us names. And we have to realize that we have a moral high ground and we cannot allow people to take that away. I think that there are more people that believe in our constitution, what is right and what is true, than there are of the others that try to take that away from us. With people getting discouraged when they see the, the, the division that's characterizing our country and culture and the narratives going on right now, do you think that there is real hope for America? Can we really make a difference? Can we turn the ship around and can it start with this midterm election or do you think that we're too far gone? No, I don't think we're too far gone. As a matter of fact, it started last year in Virginia when uh, the gubernatorial candidate there in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, on a debate stage, and he said parents do not have a right to decide what their children are being taught or educated. You saw people that had no concern about the election process or no concern about politics come out and all of a sudden get involved, engaged. The, the most important elected position in the United States of America school board but it routinely has been the election that has the least amount of voter participation. Now, all of a sudden, people are paying attention to school boards. That's They're right. finding out the type of books that are you know, in our schools. So I do see a change happening. It started last year in Virginia, and I think it will continue on. I love that. That's exactly what we, what we need to be doing. Change has to start at our house before we're going to see it at the White House. And that's the way that we want it to be. Because like we talked earlier, we the people are the sovereign. And we've got to remember mm -hmm. that. And remember what Joshua said, choose for yourselves today whom you shall serve, being the gods of the Amorites or the gods from across the river. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I personally have so much respect for you and so many people do uh -huh. because you stand for truth and you have conviction of character. But sometimes uh, it, it's, it's not a war situation where it's mm -hmm. this military against that military and we're standing for truth and you're not. Sometimes it's at the, it's at the Thanksgiving table and I don't want to be in a battle against my brother or my sister or my, <laughs> my mother-in-law. So what are some of the strategies that you have used to hang on to your convictions but still build bridges with people that you love? 
to keep the relationship? Look, I'll give you a great example, you know, because I believe that you have to be the one that leads the way in your home. Uh, my youngest daughter's fiance, his cousin came over to visit and I was back in the back doing some things. And I came out and saw the young man. He did not have a belt on and he had a do-rag. And I told him, in my house, you don't wear do-rags and you will have a belt. And I went and got him a belt. And at first he thought I was playing around and kidding. And then I had to give him the old colonel stare and he understood that I was not kidding. So I think it's so important, again, it starts in your home. Uh, what are some of the ways that you stay in line with God? I have my biblical devotional every morning. Uh, after I have my morning run, I always ask Lord to bless me with wisdom and discernment. And I always believe that every single day you got to ask the Lord to, to help you put on the full armor of God because we are in an ideological or spiritual battlefield. And just the same as when I was on the battlefields, Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, you did not go out on the battlefield without your helmet, without your body armor, without your boots, without your weapon. And God breaks that down. Uh, Paul, or rather, breaks that down for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So we're not just fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against some principalities out there, and we've got to be prepared for that. And you've got to do it by going to the Lord every single day in prayer, getting into his word and studying and fortifying yourself. And finally, Alan, what is your prayer for the United States of America right now? that we can be restored to what God would have us to be. We can work toward his perfect will, not be trying to skirt and be in his permissive will, that the body of Christ will understand that they're supposed to transform this nation through his mind and, and for his will and not conform to the culture. So I just pray that we will have leaders that will stand up and say what needs to be said and not just leaders that want to tickle people's ears. And that starts in our church. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.